To have your Bibles turn to Hebrews chapter 11, we're in the Hall of Fame of Faith. And um, I was going to skip over this verse because I preached on this lady uh, about three or four months ago, but I figure nobody remembered three or four months ago, so I'm going to preach it again. But then God changed the emphasis of the message, so it's going to be a new message, but it's going to be on the same person. Her name is Rahab, the harlot in the Hall of Fame of Faith. Only two ladies are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, Sarah and Rahab. And if I left out uh, as I went verse by verse, I'm sure some women, women liber would say, you left out the ladies in this ver- chapter. Now, they would, y'all wouldn't say that. I know you wouldn't. But anyway, um, I don't get controversial before I start. But I really appreciate the grace of God, don't you? Amen. Amen. He can save anyone and he can use anyone greatly. Uh, and no matter what your background is, no matter what your past is, it's under the blood. And uh, this has really encouraged me to think about uh, these two ladies. Sarah was a godly woman, the wife of the founder of the Hebrew race. And God used her dedicated body uh, to bring in the world uh, Isaac and, um, and uh, the Hebrew race. But Rahab was ungodly. She was a Gentile. And she worshiped pagan gods. And she sold her body for money. And humanly speaking, Sarah and Rahab have nothing in common, but they have everything in common because both of them got saved. Amen. Amen. Both of them got saved. So no matter what your background is, God loves you, and God will save you, and God will save anyone. Some people say, well, I think I'm too bad to be saved. Then other people say, I think I'm too good to be saved. Folks, I want to tell you something. You're saved by grace. And it's all for God's glory, and it's all by his blood. And Rahab went from the uh, hall of fame, or excuse the house of shame, to the hall of, uh, the hall of fate, fame of faith. And uh, that, what a, also she was associated not only with Sarah being in the same chapter as this dear lady, but she was associated with Abraham. James chapter 2, verse 21 through 26, uh, they talk about uh, Ahab. Uh, Rahab being uh, justified by faith, the faith that worked and proved it. And uh, you don't work for your faith, but you have faith that works. Amen. You ought to have faith that moves you. But also, thank God, Rahab is associated not only with Abraham, not only with Sarah, but she's associated with Jesus. Amen. Amen. As you look in Matthew chapter 1, you'll see Rahab right in the middle of the genealogy of Jesus. Now, folks, here's a, here's a heathen prostitute saved by the grace of God, becomes part of the ancestry line of Jesus Christ. Thank God. I love Romans 5, 20, where it says, where sin abounded, grace much more abounds. Say amen. And so remember, the most important thing about Rahab is her faith. And, her, and not just her faith, but who she had her faith in, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to give you just a few minutes Uh, what kind of faith uh, Rahab had. Let's stand in honor of the Word of God, and I'm going to read one verse in Hebrews chapter 11, then I'll read the whole book of Joshua chapter 2, chapter 2, but I won't uh, require you to stand during that, unless you really like to. You can just go back there on the back wall and just stand up as long as you want to. Some of you are so tired of sitting around the house, you'll be anywhere, amen, this morning. Thank God for you. But look at verse 31. By faith the harlot. Would you meditate on that a little bit? Rahab perish not with them that believed not. It's the only sin will send you to hell, by the way. 
when she had received the spies with peace. I turn to Joshua chapter 2, and uh, we'll be there most of the uh, morning, and uh, you may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you so much for the good song service. Thrilled my heart to hear the choir and the orchestra. Lord, I can't wait to one day we have that again. And Lord, we pray it'll be sooner than later. God, I pray that you would uh, please bless this message to hearts. God, thank you for laying it on my heart. And God, I pray, dear Lord, that you'd speak through me as a yielded vessel, uh, nothing special, just yielded. And God, I pray that I'll yield more of my life to you. And so, Lord, by faith we live, by faith we preach, and by faith we believe this message is going to reach a whole lot further than we realize. And so, Lord, please touch lives, whether they're in this uh, sanctuary or listening by way of Internet. We'll thank you and praise you for all the lives that are touched. And we pray this by faith for your glory. Amen. As I said, Rahab had no qualifications to be a Christian, and neither do you. It's all by the grace and the blood of Jesus. Amen. And I want you to see what kind of faith uh, Rahab had. Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2, just for a few moments. I try to be brief during this uh, pandemic so you won't be exposed to each other long. And, of course, we don't have a nursery, which is very challenging. And um, uh, just thank God for the breath to preach this morning. Amen. Joshua chapter 2. We see, first of all, that she had a courageous faith, a courageous faith. Uh, in verses 1 through 7, the Bible says, Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy even Jericho. You know, they're about to march around it. They're about to have some victory in Canaan. They're about, the walls are about to come down. One section of the wall didn't come down, and that was Rahab's residence. That's right. And they went and came into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of uh, Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which thou entereth in thy house, for they be come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them, and said thus, There came men unto me, but I, I wist not whence they were. It came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gate when it was dark that the men went out, whether the men went out, won't not, pursued after them quickly, for, for ye shall overtake them. And she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she laid in the order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way of Jordan unto the fords, and soon as they had pursued them, them they were gone, they shut the gate. So we see the courageous faith of this little lady. She took her life into her hands when she welcomed and hid the spies. And folks, listen, I want to tell you something. We ought to have courageous faith. In these last days, I believe this pandemic uh, has, um, has notified everybody that, you know, one day there'll be pestilence, malignant disease without cure, and the Antichrist is going to take over this world and during the tribulation. And if you're left behind after the rapture, you're going to wish to the day that you had been saved by faith in the grace of God. Say amen. amen. But 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says that God uses the weak things to profound the strong and the, and the simple people to profound the intellect. And folks, you don't have to be some big shot 
You don't have to be so intellectual to be used of God. What you need to have is faith that God will use you and God can use you in a special way. She took her life into her hands when she welcomed uh, and hid those, those spies. And then second of all, we see uh, she had confident faith. Verses 8 through 11, and therefore they laid down, uh, she came up into them upon the roof. She wanted to check on them. She's hiding them up there. And she said to the man, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. He said, we're scared to death of what God's going to do to us. And he's about to do it. Look at verse 10. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you. When you came out of Egypt and what you, what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites uh, that were on the other side of Jordan, uh, Sighog and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And listen, she's testifying now. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt, neither there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is a God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Boy, what a testimony, folks. Folks, she had a confident faith. Somehow, some way, and I'll tell you how I believe she got saved. She got saved by faith because she believed in the Lord Jesus Christ ahead of time. Faith involves the mind, the will, and the motions. If you turn over to Hall of Fame of Faith, I hope you still got it marked, Hebrews 11 and verse 7, the Bible says this about uh, the, the whole being being part of, of faith. It says, and by faith Noah being warned of God. There's the intellect. The things seen as yet, yet moved with fear. There's the emotion. And prepared an ark. There's the will of the saving of his house by which he condemned the world and became heirs of the righteousness which is of God, uh, by faith. Hebrews 11:7 says that Noah had a total faith, mind, will, and emotions. That's your heart, amen? That's the heart of the matter. Folks, he believed in his heart, not just uh, this pump, but I mean his whole being. Folks, you ought to have faith in God with your whole being. Rahab knew that Jehovah was the true God and that he was a personal God back in uh, chapter 2 of Joshua. And I'll try not to flip-flop too much. And I'm glad I'm not a preacher that flip-flops. But I want you to look at this. It says in verse 11, And as soon as he heard these things, our God did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you, because of you. Uh, for your Lord, your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Folks, he, they, he, she knew it was, that he was a personal God, your God. And he was a gracious God that he delivered Israel from slavery. That's what happened to you when you got saved. You're redeemed. You're bought with a price. You're set free. Before you're saved, you're in bondage of sin. You're, in, you're, in, you're a slave. Talk about slaves. You're a slave to sin. And then it's an awesome God because in verse 11 she testifies the God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Folks, listen. He is God. And you need to believe that God is God, that he's awesome, that he's personally your God. Thank God that he is enough and that he is able, Miss Becky. God is able to work miracles. Amen. God's able to do things that uh, doctors know not of. And thank God for the miraculous God that we trust even in times of disappointments and trials. Our assurance is based on that we know from the Bible 
that he lives and that he ever lives to make intercession and that he changes our lives and we're passed from death unto life by the grace of God because we believe in him. John 5, 24 is one of my favorite verses on eternal life. John 5 and verse 24. Let me read that to you real quick. John 5, 24. Boy, I'm so glad to see you here today. Amen. It was so lonely when I had to preach to an empty auditorium uh, by way of internet. Had to preach to that wall and a few others. Amen. I'm not saying y'all look like walls, uh, media ministry. But anyway, uh, Matthew, uh, John 5, 24, it says, Verily, verily. That means truly, truly. Listen to this now. I say unto you, um, or excuse me, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him. Not just about him. Everybody believes there's a God or believes there's not a God. But folks, believes on him. That means you turn your life over to him. Listen to this now. It says, that sent me hath everlasting life. Hath everlasting and shall not come into condemnation. Shall not, no matter what. You're saved, saved, saved. Not saved to live like you want to. Saved to live like God wants you to. And God wants you to live by faith. Then it says, but it's passed from death unto life. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you this. When you'll pass from death unto life, that's quite a change. And I'll go into this in just a minute, but Rahab's conversion was truly an act of grace. And folks, like all citizens of Jericho, Rahab was under condemnation and destined to die. And the Lord intercepted one dear lady and saved her by the grace of God. And I thank God for that. Then third of all, she had a concern faith. Verse 12, as soon as she gets saved, this is what her concern is. This ought to be our concern. He said, she said in verse 12, Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token. Verse 13, And that ye will save alive my father, my mother, my brethren, and my sistern, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. Now listen, look, look at your Bible now. Verse 14, and the men answered her, Our life for yours, if ye utter not this our business. Ye shall be, when the Lord has given us the land, that ye will deal kindly and truly with thee. And folks, I want you to know she had a concerned faith. Reminds me of Andrew. As soon as he got saved, he wanted to reach Peter, and thank God he did, because Peter reached many. And thank God he had 3,000 people get saved when he was preaching. Andrew was just a brother that was in the uh, background, but he had a burden for his brother had a burden for his brother. Rahab wanted assurance from the two spies that when the city was taken, that they would guarantee that their family would be safe. And they pledged with their word and with their lives and became a surety. And folks, that reminds me of what Jesus did. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 22, it says, So by must Jesus be made a better testament, an assurity, a surety for us. He's a guarantee. Why? Because Hebrews 7 verse 25 says, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost. He'll keep you saved. And he'll save you from any sin. Why? That coming to God by him, seeing that he ever liveth to make intercession for us. As long as the head is alive, the body's alive. Say amen. And our head, Jesus Christ, is on the right hand of God, ever interceding for us. And folks, we're saved because he's alive. We're, we'll, we'll stay saved because he's alive. We're sustained because he's alive. 
Some people act like they worship a dead God. They go around moping around, groping around, uh, just pathetic. And I want to tell you something, friend. God is a God that ought to encourage you because he answers prayer. He gives grace in the time of, of need, and he is alive. He's the surety. You have his word on it, but you have his life on it. He's alive. Amen. But have faith in God. Faith in God. A, a concerned faith. The first thing we ought to do is have a concern for the world and concern for souls. I don't know about people that say they're saved and they don't care a, a, a thing about getting people saved and reaching out and touching others and b sending missionaries and preaching the gospel and handing out tracts. I was supposed to preach a funeral uh, this afternoon and they, they put it off because the bugler couldn't show up. And I'm excited about the opportunity because it's a, it's a lot of people that are going to be lost by that graveside at 2 o'clock on next Sunday afternoon. You pray. Back me up in prayer. Praying that some will get under conviction. The seed will be planted. Then it was covenant faith. In verse 15 through 24, she had a, she had a, a, a courageous faith. She had a confident faith. She had a concerned faith. But she had a covenant faith. What is a covenant? It's God's word on it. He don't break his covenant. It's not like a contract. It's more binding than a contract. It's a covenant. And the covenant is his blood. Say amen. amen. Look at verse 15. I like this. And uh, people in Alabama really like this passage. God help them. But look at this in uh, jo uh, Joshua chapter 2, verse 15. You'll see it in a minute. It says, Then she let them down by the cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. Now they, they, they marched around that thing 13 times, and it fell, but this section didn't. Uh, and she said to them, Get you to the mountains lest the pursuers meet you and hide yourself there three days until the pursuer be returned, and afterwards may ye go, go, go your way. And the men said unto her, We still be blameless of this thine oath which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when ye come into the land that shall bind this line of scarlet thread, scarlet thread, crimson cord, in the window which thou, he says, put up, scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let us down by and thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee and it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street his blood shall be upon his head and he will be guiltless and whosoever shall be with thee in the house his blood shall be on our head if any hand be upon him look at verse 20 and if thou utter this business, then, then we will be quiet of thine oath, which thou hast made us to swear. And she said, according to the words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed, and she bound the scarlet line in the window. And they went and came into the mountain and abode there three days until the pursuers were returned. And the pursuers sought them throughout all the way, but found them not. So the two men returned and descended from the mountain and passed over and came to Joshua the son of Nun and told him all things that befell them. And they said unto Joshua, Truly the Lord has delivered unto the hands of our, uh, our hands all the land, for even all the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. Thank God, friend, it was a covenant relationship. Uh, Adam had a covenant. Uh, Noah had a covenant. And the sign, uh, uh, Brother Thomas, was a rainbow. Amen. The covenant that God's going to bless and God's grace is always sufficient. And then the God's covenant with Abraham. 
God's covenant with Israel, uh, the covenant concerning the land of Palestine and the Messianic covenant with David and, and the covenant in the blood of Jesus Christ is found in the New Testament. And he said this blood, this cup is a token. When they took the Lord's Supper, this juice represents the blood and it's the testament. It's the covenant of my, my blood that was shed for you. And folks, his blood is enough. It's a covenant relationship. We don't have to get good enough to be saved. We don't have to stay good enough to be saved. God was good enough to send his lovely son and his blood was good enough because his blood is perfect. Amen. Amen? Yes. And folks, the Lord Jesus Christ used the broken bread, the cup of the juice in Luke 22 and 1 Corinthians 11. In the case of Rahab, the spies instructed a scarlet rope, a rope that would identify safety. But I believe it was, a, it was not just happenstance that it had to be scarlet or deep red or crimson for all you Alabama fans. Folks, it, was a, it, was the, it represented the blood. And folks, Exodus chapter 12, 1 through 13, the blood was put on the lintel as I preached on yesterday. And folks, it wasn't the rope they had their faith in. That's like having faith in baptism to save you. God help you if you think baptism will save you. It won't wash your sins away. The water is not that powerful, but the blood is. Amen. And then, then, then uh, some people think that the communion, Catholics, are, are a savior. It won't save you. It's a symbol of what will save you, amen. Right. It's his body that was offered at the cross of Calvary. His blood that was shed at the cross of Calvary. So it was great faith because he trusted in a great God. It's not the amount of faith you have. It's who you have faith in. And folks, it's not big faith that saves you. It's faith in a big God that saves you. But I want to close with this. What took place in the life of Rahab, Rahab to bring her to the Lord? That's the question of the hour. What took place? I believe, number one, she was convicted by the Spirit of God. Folks, look at verse 11. The Bible says, and this, Joshua 2 now, Joshua 2. And I'll close with these. And as soon as we had heard these things, our heart did melt. Folks, I want to tell you, can you imagine a Canaanite woman, a heathen, a prostitute, talking this way? Can you imagine a sinful, fallen, depraved woman uh, having such a glorious statement as she just made in verse 8 through 10? She said, for we heard how the Lord dried up the Red Sea. Uh, came, and Y'all came out of Egypt and you defeated the great two kings on the other side of Jordan. And then verse 11, she just really gets excited and says, and as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above. He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Here's a new convert giving a great testimony, say amen. Can you imagine that? And folks, I want to ask you a question. Who in the world had been working on her heart? Was it some intellectual uh, argument? No, I believe it was the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit of God brought to her by providence, these two gentlemen, uh, to verify that her faith. And folks, I want you to know that God sets up amazing situations for us to witness. And folks, it's all the providence of God. It's not circumstance or happenstance or just coincidence. I believe it's divine appointments that God sets up 
sets up amazing situations where people are seeking God and they just got saved and they need assurance and thank the Lord for it. I remember a couple of Sundays ago, um, Jesus, when you got assurance of your salvation, praise God. That's worth it all. It wasn't just a, a circumstance or happenstance that you came with your, with your uncle or your boss or whoever he is, Salvador. It was a divine appointment of God to give this young man assurance. Right. Folks, listen, I want to tell you something. We're to be um, uh, like Jesus. We need to go where we don't want to go, where we don't feel like going. You know, the average Jew would have never traveled through Samaria. They were half-breeds. You talk about racism. You talk about, you talk about uh, discrimination. You want to talk about that a little bit? Well, I'm going to tell you what. Jesus destroyed all that. When he walked to the well and he found out a lady had been married five times or lived with five different men, shacking, which is still a sin, by the way. Come on. And I want to tell you something, friend. Today, if she was alive, we'd give her an Academy Award. Come on now. And then we'd not only do that, we'd let her lead a political movement and ask her opinion who ought to be the president. That's how mixed up we are, praise God. That's what we'd do. But I'll tell you what we need to do for people like that. We need to bring them Jesus. We need to come to them where they're at. We need to go to the place that we normally don't feel comfortable going. We need to visit. We need to knock on doors. And we need to tell people that Jesus is not prejudiced, that Jesus loves every soul and every life matters. Amen. Every soul matters. And that he loves red, white, yellow, polka-dotted, praise God, people. Black, white, brown, he loves them all. And we ought to love them all if we're like Jesus. We ought to go to them. We ought to send missionaries like Brother Kevin and, tell, and, let, and, and my daughter and son-in-law and say, give your lives and y'all's children and, and, and they're giving their lives to reach those precious folks over in South Africa, yeah. all around the world. And you know, folks, listen, you just want, to, just want to sum up Jesus. He's not prejudiced. He's not racist. I'll tell you what he is. He's compassionate. He doesn't look at a skin problem. He looks at a sin problem. And it's not a skin problem. It's a sin problem. You say, you're getting real touchy. I don't care. I'm preaching. Listen, friend, we need to go below the surface when it comes to dealing with people. And when it comes to solving the problems of our sinful society. I appreciate people that stand for, for the word of God and the God of the word and appreciate a lot people that take the word of God to people. Amen. Number, number two or three, what got her under conviction? What got her under conviction? She had heard what God was doing for his people. Amen. She said, I've heard. I've heard the Red Sea split. I heard you got saved, boys. Hey, I heard that oh, the Red Sea split, but then as you was uh, defeating kings that, that are powerful on the other side of Jordan, we heard that our walls are coming down and we're under condemnation and our hearts faint and we're fearful of y'all. And I want to tell you something, folks. We are to be witnesses. Amen. But I'll tell you this also, more than that, we are to be proof positive evidence of the reality of God. Yes. Folks, I want to ask you a question. Are you a question mark on the exclamation point? 
Now, I don't believe you ought to be brass. I don't believe you ought to be rude. I don't like that kind of witnessing. Never have had that kind of attitude towards people where I go up and beat them over the head with the Bible, tell them they're going to hell. I'm afraid somebody would shoot me if I did that. And I deserve to be shot. But I want to tell you something, friend. I believe that we ought to go with the proof positive evidence of a changed life. A changed life. The reality of God. Verse 10 of Joshua 2. The Red Sea split. Verse 10, the uh, part says, what God did for the kings on the other side to the kings through you. And then also she said, the world should say there is someone different and you're different. The Israelites are different. They're God's people. They're supernatural people. In Acts chapter 2, if you want to turn there real quick, and uh, we see something that's very amazing in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, which some people are trying to reproduce to this day. That was 19 known languages, by the way, not some unknown gibberish that nobody could understand. But Acts chapter 2, the Bible lists all those languages, and it was a miracle, and the Holy Ghost fell upon uh, the folks with the cloven tongues and the rushing mighty wind. I wonder why people don't reproduce that today. If you're going to have one, you might as well have all of them say amen. And listen to this, uh, folks, in verse, uh, let me go to verse uh, 12. Verse 12, it says, And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? That's what people ought to say about our life. What makes you different? What causes you to have peace in the midst of the storm? What causes you, when you get bad news from the doctor, to say, hey, God's still in control. And God's over all. And we're still trusting him. Even in the valley, we're trusting him just as much as if it might have been a mountaintop experience. And folks, I want you to see what, what another phrase in Acts chapter 2 will do for you. It says, what mean is this? And then you go on down to verse 37 of Acts chapter 2. And the Bible says this. It says, now when they heard this, that's the word of God preached by Peter, who was a coward, now a courageous Christian. You talk about a change. He was cussing and now he knew Jesus. Now he's preaching, you've crucified him. And I mean preaching sin against sin and preaching the Savior and preaching the cross preaching the resurrection and power. Look at verse 37. Now when they had heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said, Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? In other words, they're saying, how can we be saved? And I'm going to say this. We're guilty of it. We're trying to take people to verse 37 before we get them to verse 12. We need to realize when people are trying to get saved, they're asking the second question, when they ought to be asking the first question is, what mean is this? Why are you so different? Folks, Rahab had seen God do something so marvelous, so wonderful, so inexplicable that it brought her under Holy Ghost conviction. We begin to live the victorious Christian life. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. People are going to notice. And I'm going to tell you another thing's going to happen. You're going to be led by the Spirit. And when you're led by the Spirit, I'm going to tell you where you're led to. To talk and witness and plead and beg and pray to lost people. God's going to set you where you need to be next to lost people. Here's a missionary message out of Rahab. Folks, listen. When they, those men, when those men were led of the Spirit of God, I mean the Red Sea split, they could have stopped there and 
shouted it out for eternity and said, Woo! What is, what, how great it is to be a Christian. And let's let God split that town down to the, to the ground and crush those walls and just rejoice and be militant about it. No, they went to a little lady named Rahab. And they had compassion. And folks, they, God used them to be a soul winner. And to, or at least to, to uh, give her assurance that she'd already been saved, already believed in the Lord. And folks, I want to tell you something. When you're led by the Spirit of God, God puts the unsaved with the soul winner. If you're led by the Spirit of God, you have a burden for souls, and you go to where souls are, and you support missionaries, you pray for missionaries, but you are a missionary wherever you're at. What a wonderful time it is to, to be a witness. This day and age, people are scared to die. They're scared to death. They're scared of this virus. And folks, it's a great opportunity to say, listen, if you die today, you know you go to heaven. Amen. I don't think you ought to do that the first time you meet somebody. I think you ought to break the ice, talk to them a little bit, you know, and ask them how they're doing, and who they are, where they work, break the ice a little bit. But praise God, the ultimate of the conversation ought to be, hey, if you die today, you know you go to heaven. Because heaven's a lot better than hell. It's a whole lot better. And you need to be saved. And then second of all, I want you to know that she was not only uh, convicted as she heard what God was doing in uh, people's hearts, but she was convict convinced. She was convicted by the Holy Spirit, but she was convinced by the Word. She was convinced by the Word. And in verses 12 through 21, Rahab was concerned about her family. And for a token, a sign was going to take, uh, have to be t uh, given. And notice the men's answer in verse 14. Notice the men's answer in verse 14. And the men answered her, our life for yours. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. These men answered, and they gave a long dissertation all the way through verse 21 about how uh, that they ought to put, she ought to put a crimson cord in the window, a rope, maybe the same one that she let them down by, and uh, that they would be, she would be safe, safe, safe. And folks, they gave her their word. I want you to notice these men gave an answer, but I want you to know what James chapter 2 calls these men. James chapter 2, verse 25. James 2 and verse 25. I want to tell you what James called these men, these spies. The Bible says, likewise also was not a... Rahab the harlot justified by works in the sight of men when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. James called those two spies messengers. So it wasn't their word that they were giving her. It was God's word. And folks, you are saved because you're convicted by the Holy Spirit but you're saved because you're convinced by the Word of God. There were spokesmen for the Almighty God. They'd heard the Word of God. They gave it to the lady. And that's all that we ought to do by faith. We've heard it. We've received it. Give it out. Don't let it stay in your heart. Say amen. amen. Folks, we ought to be people of faith with a message. Because faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. There is to be a word from God before you have faith. And I'm convinced 
If we just hand out more tracts and speak to more people and witness more people, there'd be more people saved. And it's by faith they're saved by the Holy Ghost, but I believe the Holy Ghost begins to work when the Word of God's planted. That's why preaching is so important. The witnessing is so important. And then last but not least, she was converted by the blood. She was converted by the blood. Look at verse 21, Joshua 2. And we'll close. And she said, according to the word, so be it. And she sent them away and they departed and bound the scarlet line in the window. Scarlet line. Reminds us of the blood on the doorpost. Amen. Folks, scarlet line was not just a um, uh, happenstance as far as the color is concerned, I don't believe. All through the Bible, there's types and shadows of the cross. There's the blood of Jesus foreshadowed, able, sacrificed an animal, and that blood was accepted, not the fruit of Cain, which represents works and religion. Folks, we see Abraham as he lifts that knife to pierce his only son's heart, Isaac, the promised seed. And God provided a ram caught in the thicket. That's a forecast of the Lamb of God. And then he slayed that ram and the blood flowed. And that's the foreshadowing of the cross. Amen. The blood of Jesus. Folks, all through the Bible, on and on, every temple, every tabernacle worship, there was, there was a lot of blood being shed. It was all pointing to that day that Rahab would realize by type, by shadow, that it's the blood of Jesus that cleanses from all sin. It's the finished work of the cross of Calvary and the death, burial, and resurrection that transforms a person's life. She was redeemed, set free from her slavery of sin. She was justified. The Bible says in James chapter 2, that verse I just read, verse 25, that she was justified before men by her works. But she was justified in the sight of God through her faith in the blood, in the death, burial, and resurrection. And folks, listen, she was also transformed. I close with this thought. A harlot soon got saved and she became the great great grandmother of King David she married a guy named Salmon what a name I don't, I don't advise any of you that's going to have children in the future to call your child Salmon you might end up working in a fish market but anyway um, Salmon it's an unusual name some of y'all probably named Salmon but anyway listen uh, and they had a little boy named I believe Boaz Folks, there was a lineage that started. If you read Matthew chapter 1, she's not referred to as Rahab the harlot in the lineage. She's just Rahab because she's Rahab saved by the grace of God. So let me, let me just, let me just uh, tell you this. When God saves you, he does a good job. Amen. And when he, God saves you, he transforms you into a new creature. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things pass away, but all things become new. Yes. You pass from death unto life. What a miracle to be saved. Yes. Some of you look at me with those masks saying, well, it ain't that good. Yes, it is that good. Praise God, it's great. It's better than great. It's marvelous. Yes. It's life-changing. If you've been saved, don't get over it and don't act like you got over it. Be a witness 
and be proof positive evidence. He is alive. That's what got this lady under conviction. She had heard and her heart melted. And I want to tell you something, friend. She became part of the bloodline of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 1, 5 through 6. And she came from the house of shame to the hall of fame of faith. And she's listed in our chapter. And I just could not go past verse 31, even though I preached on Rahab three months ago. I've got it in your notes. Because I want to tell you something. This heathen woman was brought under conviction. And these two spies became great soul winners and witnesses. And I believe the greatest tragedy could ever took place was that Rahab said, hey, I don't believe it. I'm looking for a sign, a signal. But praise God, by faith, she trusted the Lord. And from a shady lady, she became a shining star. <laughs> and praise God, from a child of hell, she became a citizen of heaven. Amen. 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 I want to tell you something, friend. We ought to get so excited about it that we tell somebody today yes. and give somebody a track and give somebody the message and have enough faith to believe if we plant the seed in their heart and if we live a life that's different, that's transformed, that's full of love and compassion, somebody will get saved. Yes. Folks, God's called you to be a missionary. God's called you to be a witness. And God's called you to be proof positive evidence of the aliveness of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this chapter. I've, I've just been blessed by being able to preach it. And God, I want to share it with somebody this week. I want to go to some lost people, give them the gospel. I miss YDC so much. Every third Tuesday for 38 years, I got to see these little prisoners, these little scared teenagers that have, that have a parent delinquents for their parents, for their juvenile delinquents as their child. A lot of them. Dear God, to see them so, so many of them saved over the years. I sure miss that. But God, I can't pout. I can't just retire and I can't just give up. God, you've sent me to wherever I'm at to be a witness. And I want to be led by the Spirit of God to be divinely appointed to meet some sinners this week like Rahab maybe, maybe like Ruth, I don't know, but someone that needs you. So dear God, give us the faith to rejoice in our salvation. But God, give us the faith to share our salvation with a lost and dying world. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give you this quick invitation. I don't know why quick, we ain't got no place to go. But how many you say, preacher, I remember the day I got saved. It wasn't faith in myself. It wasn't faith in the Baptist church. It wasn't faith in the baptistry. It wasn't faith in the communion. It was faith in the blood of Jesus. Amen. The death, burial, and resurrection. And I trusted the Lord, and my life was transformed, and it's still being transformed as I grow, but I know I'm saved. Would you raise your hand as a happy testimony of that? All over this auditorium. Would you raise it high? I mean, glad you saved, say amen. Thank the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. 
What a joy. What a peace. What a purpose. What a relationship to know the Lord as your personal Savior. Your God, Rahab said, became her God. Amen. What a blessing. Aren't you glad God loves everybody? Aren't you glad God's not prejudiced? Aren't you glad God's not racist? Aren't you glad God loves whosoever will? Whether you're smart or not, whether you're sinful or you're just good, because your goodness is not good enough. If it was, he would have gave us a ladder instead of a cross. Let me say, preacher, I couldn't raise my hand that I'm saved, but I'm concerned about my soul to ask you to please pray for me. I'm not saved, but I'd like to be. I want to know for sure. You better know for sure because when you die, it'll be too late. Anyone? Just slip your hand up high. I want to pray for you. Anyone? Anyone? Well, I guess what the main gist of the message was, how many know someone? How many know someone? Maybe it's a family member, a daddy, a mama, an uncle, an aunt, a child, a cousin, a nephew, a workmate, a friend. You're not much of a friend if you don't take the gospel to them. And you'd say, preacher, God's laid them on my heart. And I want to have a time of prayer with you to pray for them. That they'd have the same experience Rahab had. That they'll get saved. They might be religious and good, or they might be lost and sorry. But I want to tell you something. They need Jesus just as much as you did. And you'd say, preacher, pray with me for them. Would you raise your hand on their behalf? God's laid somebody on your heart. It's like a video. Their, their face has come right up in front of your heart. All over this place. God bless you. Now, I want to tell you what it's going to take. It's going to take you living it and walking it by faith. And they'll, they'll say, what, what meaneth this? What's the key? What's the secret to your joy? What's the secret to your peace? What's the secret for your uh, zeal for life? And then you can give them the gospel. Father, thank you for this morning. I really believe this is the exact message I need to preach. And I know it's the exact message I need to hear. And so, Lord, by faith, thank you that you saved us. And by faith, thank you that you sanctify us to be where we need to be and bring the gospel, the word, the blood, the message of the blood to a lost and dying person. We're going to praise you and thank you for using us in this in this time of trials and valley of this world. God, help us to be a shining light. Help us to be a salt that has not lost its flavor or Savior. God, help us to be a testimony that, Lord, you give us life and life more abundant. God, help us not to go down the tubes with the world in depression. But God, help us to be encouraged this morning to be proof positive evidence of the aliveness of God. We'll thank you in Jesus' name.